Good morning. I am Apostle William B. Corrector, presiding prelate of Discovered Being Ministry Incorporated. I'd like to welcome you this morning to our podcast. Today we will be speaking upon two words that we are all acquainted with. One of them is guilt and the other is condemnation. Let us go to the throne of grace. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to thank you this morning for being able to witness another day that thou hands have remained. Father, we will rejoice and be glad therein. Father, as we come today, we realize that somewhere we may have sinned, whether it was a thought, whether it was a deed, whether it was an omission, whether it was commissioned, Father, we earnestly repent and ask you to forgive us and rely on your word, saying that if we confess our sins before thee, that thou art faith and just to give, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we come today, Lord God, asking you to bless the communities that will be listening to this podcast, the countries in which it will enter, and all those that, Lord God, that will receive your word today. We ask you to bless them, for we realize that, Lord God, you are the blessing. Christ is the blessing. The word that became flesh is the blessing. And, Father, we thank you, and we bind the works of the flesh, and, Father, the carnal mind, and we bind Satan, the devil, We bind him in Jesus' name and ask you, Lord God, to continue to guide us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are going to impart a little knowledge on the word guilt. We all have had a dealing with that word before. Some of us are still dealing with it. But what we're going to ask you to listen to is what does the Bible say about guilt? Guilt is the result of having violated a specific rule or law. When we cross a moral, ethical, or legal line, we are guilty. This is true even if we did not know a line was crossed. Guilt is primarily a state or condition, not a feeling. According to the Bible, we are all guilty before God. This is referenced in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 23. The fact that a person may not feel guilty does not affect his or her guilty status legally or morally. From the moment Adam and Eve broke God's law against eating the forbidden fruit, guilt entered human history, found in Genesis Genesis chapter 3. With the guilt came a feeling of being guilty. They knew they had violated a specific law. They were guilty and they felt guilty. God demonstrated his plan to cover human guilt with the shedding of innocent blood as found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, and Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. 
What God did in the garden was a picture of what he would do thousands of years later to cover the guilt of everyone who trusts in his only begotten son. Find that referenced in John chapter 1, verse 12, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Guilty feelings are useful when they drive us to repentance. However, Satan can only use guilty feelings to drive us away from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrows bring repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrows brings death. Worldly guilt is filled with condemnation, which we'll be speaking about lately, later, and hopelessness. It tells us that we are bad and nothing will make us good enough. It lies to us about the character of God, insisting that we must try to earn the favor of God who will never give it. Worldly sorrows hangs over the heads Oh, our heads and colors, our attitude towards God. Unbelievers stand guilty before God in that they have not trusted Christ as Savior, referenced in John chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Unbelievers experiencing feelings of guilt should let those feelings lead them towards the only one who can solve them. Jesus Christ. Their guilty feelings are accurate and are designed to create in them a desire for forgiveness. <clears throat> Believers, children of God who have trusted in Christ's death and resurrection for their salvation have been declared not guilty before God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. We have been justified, stated in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. God had placed all our sins upon his own son, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He has taken the righteousness of Christ and granted it to us. The divine exchange guarantees our acceptance by God and eternal life with him. Found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, Romans chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. When we fail, we have God's promise that if we confess our sin to him, he will forgive us and wipe away all traces of guilt. Found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Many struggle with false guilt. They are forgiven, yet they still feel guilty. They feel slack, they feel stuck, excuse me, in guilt. They may think, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. A lot of us go through that today. Hallelujah. They have prayed, confessed their sins, and believe that God has granted them forgiveness, yet they continue to beat themselves up. The reason for false guilt might not be 
what we think. Satan whispers into our souls that we don't deserve full pardon until we prove to God how sorry we are. We must continue to carry the load of shame. We deserve it. We are not worthy to accept God's pardon until we have punished ourselves. That's what Satan says. That is not what God states. And then he lies some more, telling us that in hanging on to the guilt, we are being humble. The opposite is true. In hanging on to guilty feelings after we have been forgiven, we are being prideful. Humility, grateful, acceptance, accepts a pardon. It can never earn and live to demonstrate that gratefulness. Pride says, God may forgive me, but my standard is higher than God's. What Jesus did on the cross may be sufficient to cover other sins, but not mine. What a liar. I must help Jesus pay for this sin by punishing myself. I will continue to carry my shame until I decide I have paid for it. In clinging to false guilt, we insult the sacrifice of Christ by implying that his death on the cross was not powerful enough to cover every sin. False guilt can keep us from growing into the mature Christian that God wants to, us to be. True feelings of guilt keeps us humble as we recognize no one can be good enough to earn God's favor. Recognition of guilt should drive us to gratefully receive all God has done on our behalf. True guilt propels us towards God. False guilt drives us away. False guilt sees failure as a life sentence. True guilt sees failure and as another opportunity to experience more of God's mercy and grace. God have mercy. True guilt is erased by repentance and restoration. False guilt continues to cling to us even after we, we have repented. When we learn to recognize the difference, guilt does not have to dominate our lives. God paid a high price, price so we could walk in freedom as found in reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Justification nullifies guilt. For those in Christ, guilty feelings can be a wake-up call that something isn't right. And we have the opportunity to confess our sins and turn from it. Glory to God. Guilty feelings are simply a tool God uses to reveal sin. When no sin is present, guilt is being misused by our enemy and needs to be renounced. We were designed to carry, we were not designed to carry guilt. Jesus did that for us. Found in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Because of Christ, we can walk in the light and never 
again suffer under the burdens of guilt. I hope and pray that I have been a blessing to you, that this word has been a blessing to you. We know that God's word will not return to him void, but it will prosper and accomplish those things in which he wants it to accomplish. Today, a lot of people are walking around with guilty feelings because they think they don't measure up. Jesus measured up for everything that we could ever think and ever do. I, I beseech you today, my sisters and brothers, that you bind Satan who brings forth sin with his false accusations, his ignorance, and his disobedience to the word of God. Let us go on to the next part of this podcast. What does it mean that there is no condemnation in Christ? You find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It's a very familiar scripture that we all use. No condem condemnation can be defined in a courtroom language. You have no condemnation, declares, means to be found innocent of the accusation to have no sentence inflicted and no guilty verdict found. By grace of God, believers in Jesus Christ will not face the condemnation of God. We have passed from death to life, referenced in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. The Bible teaches that every human being will be brought before the judgment throne of God. For an ultimate and decisive judgment found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and Christ himself will be the judge found in John chapter 5, verse 27. We are naturally under the condem condemnation of God. Whosoever does not believe and stands condemned already. Who does not believe stands condemned already, found in John chapter 3, verse 18. But Christians will not be found guilty on judgment day. Referenced in John chapter 3, verse 18, Matthew chapter 25, verses 33 and 34. However, the no condemnation involves more than an acquittal on judgment day. In Romans 8, 1, the apostle Paul speaks in the present tense as evidenced by the word now. Also notice that the word therefore which points to the reader to the previous passage of Romans chapter 7 verses 21 through 25. Romans, in Romans 7, Apostle Paul describes his struggle against the sinful nature, a struggle that every believer experienced. Apostle Paul writes, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. And what a wretched man I am. Have you said that to yourself? Don't look like everything you do, something's wrong with it. That's Satan's his, his slightness, his, his ignorance towards the word of God. Apostle Paul is expressing his hatred for the sinful nature which continues to war against his new nature in Christ. Apostle Paul hates the sin that he commits, but he's also thankful because the 
because he has been set free from the slavery of sin. Some of us are still slaves to sin. He now has the ability to do what is good because Christ has delivered him. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Apostle Paul takes this, this step further in Romans 8 when he teaches believers are not only free from bondage to sin, they are free from the inner emotions and thoughts that tend to bring feelings of condemnation to the Christian when he does not commit sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. Christians are free from the law of sin and death, which means although they will commit sin, the law no longer has power to condemn them. We are not under the law's condemnation because Jesus justified, filled up, and completed the expectations of the law perfectly, and believers are in Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. Because believers are in Christ, they have the joy of being counted as righteous, simply because Christ is righteous. Found in Philippians, referenced in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Apostle Paul also points out that the genuine Christian, although they struggle, will not live according to the flesh. That is, they will not persist in a constant state of sinful living. Referenced in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Apostle Paul encourages us that we need not to fear condemnation because we can come to God as our loving Father, our forgiving Father. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 reference that. Christians who washed in shame, Christians who live in shame and guilt over the past failures are needlessly condemning themselves when they ought to be forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Fear can be paralyzing, but perfect love drives out fear. Hallelujah. Found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Hallelujah. As Christians, we must understand our justification is found in Christ alone, in his finished work on the cross, not in what we do or don't do. Found in Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Believers can find solace in the assurance that we have been adopted into God's own family and have been made heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Found in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. The familiar scripture, we say it all the time. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you today and we praise you for this podcast. We ask you, Lord God, to remember your covenant with us today as we meet the needs of the people through your word. We ask you, Lord God, to give us strength and give us, Lord God, those things that we need in life. For your word says we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Strengthen us in our faith, Lord God. Our love and our joy, our temperaments, our 
meekness, our goodness. Lord God, in all the long suffering that we go through, Father, we know that, that those that believe in you, those that are in you, shall suffer many afflictions. But Lord God, that is because they are righteous. But the word of God says, hallelujah, that you would deliver us out of them all. Father, I thank you today. And I praise you for the word that we are sending forth. You are sending forth, Lord God. We don't have any word. It's your word, Lord God. And it will accomplish those things which you want it to accomplish. And Lord, we just ask you now that someone will listen to this conference, to this podcast, that they will come from among them, that they will come be separate. They will not hold on to guilt. They will not hold on to condemnation. Because we know those two words have been eliminated. And Father, we thank you that we were eliminated by the work that was done on Calvary's cross. God bless you. May he smile upon you and may he give you peace.